Snow Church. It's a blessing to have team members that's not only good to work with, but fun to work with. And I want you to know you have an awesome pastoral staff, Pastor Ryan and Pastor Katrina and the rest of the team. It's fun as well. Would you take your Bible and let's direct our attention to the Word of God tonight. Last week we started looking at the Sermon on the Mount again. Anybody never ever heard of the Sermon on the Mount until last week? It's kind of what I thought. Anybody never ever read Matthew 5, 6, and 7 until this month? That's kind of what I thought. And this is a passage of Scripture that we not only have talked about at Grace Point in the last couple of years, it's one that no doubt that many of you have taught Sunday school lessons on. Many of you have had memorized at certain times of your life. I won't put Jim Hunt on the spot, but I think the probability is pretty high that he could quote large portions of this at some point. Those of you who have studied this, we begin to see that this is credited as many theologians would say the greatest sermon that was ever preached not just because it's from the words of jesus but it was so foundational so impacting to the setting up of his ministry and beginning to see what is happening in his call to a new way a better way a different way and we begin to see that jesus is giving this remix he's giving a a different take on life and he is even taking the truths that were true in the old testament not abolishing them but fulfilling them and he's saying this is a new way a better way the best way to live life last week we looked at matthew chapter 5 and we looked at those first 10 11 verses in the beatitudes and i want you to take your bible and look at verse uh, 3 through 10 or so in there and uh, as we look at this i want you to compare what your bible says to what i read where J.B. Phillips paraphrases how the world has turned Jesus' Beatitudes upside down. So my hunch is you may see a little bit difference between what I'm reading and what you are reading. Happy are the pushers, for they get on in the world. Happy are the hard-boiled, for they never let life hurt them. Happy are the complainers, for they get their own way in the end. Happy are the blaze, for they never worry over their sins. Happy are the slave drivers, for they get results. Happy are the knowledgeable men of the world, for they know their way around. Happy are the troublemakers, for they make people take notice of them. I don't know if you begin to see that what I am sharing is a direct contrast to what the Beatitudes are all about. In fact, what Jesus is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, in many ways, is exactly what the culture is doing in reverse. And it's important for us to see how this was so opposite to the culture of his day, and it is still very opposite to the culture of our day. And Jesus is calling out to us, remember church, we are to be in the world, but not of the world we are to have an impact on the world but there needs to be some kind of impact in us that comes out of us i hope you catch that contrast jesus on the other hand tells us that god 
blesses a person who is humble, who's repentant, who's teachable, who's passionate for Him. Forgiving and honest, peacemaking, joyful, even in the midst of attacks on them. Contrary to what the world would say, how we get things done, Jesus is saying, it is very different with me. Now, if you're anything like me, you can be thinking, Jesus, I know this is your word, I know it's the Bible, but how can it be that it's almost everything opposite of the world around us? And it's because Jesus is giving us a standard, he's giving us a promise that is so far greater than anything the world can offer. I mean, it is so different, it can seem that it's so lofty, it can seem like it's something that we could never attain. I mean, who of us in this room is never ever guilty of any? disobedience in any area of our life who of us in this room is is not guilty of sometimes having a sharp word with someone who of us in this room is not guilty of letting fear cripple of us cripple us who has not had seasons in our life where we begin to see our spiritual passion for him begin to wane or our sensitivity to others begins to fail or we are not as transparent with the father as we know we should be who of us has not had hard times and we find that it's difficult and we choose not to rejoice when it's difficult surely jesus isn't talking to the likes of us this must be for someone else some other saint for someone who is in a different category or different realm than us but in the next phrase jesus removes any doubt of who he is declaring and he says this read on in your bibles as we begin to get to the next section of scripture together he declares you are the salt of the earth. Now, he's not saying when you get your act together, when you get all these beatitudes right, when everything is perfected in your life, then you can be like salt. No. And he's not even saying, those of you who want to take me up on this, you can be like salt. He says, you are the salt of the earth. He makes a declaration to us as every child of his, we are to be salt. If we call ourselves a Christian, We are the salt for Jesus in this world today. He doesn't have plan B. He doesn't have some other method. He has chosen you. He's chosen me to be the salt of the earth. We don't have the luxury of washing our hands of this and and beginning to say, well, Jesus, I don't know if I'm ready right now. Or or my prime has passed and, and there was those outgoing years of my life and i was more mobile or i was more influential in those years but now i am i'm kind of done and and i'm no longer to be salt and and i had those times jesus says you are the salt of the earth he challenges us to be who he has created us to be so with that being said with a passage of scripture that you and i are very familiar with i want us to do a test tonight So you have an orange sheet. There's going to be an exam. Now, I am not going to see the results of this exam. It's just going to be yours. Uh, I'm not going to grade it. You are going to grade it. But you need to know that whether... (laughs) I can see some of your eyes. You're like folding your arms. You're like, I'm not doing an exam. I'm not doing it about what you say. But here's the fact of the matter is we will be giving account to the Father someday when we stand before Him for this very exam. And Jesus is giving us the answers he's giving us the the tools to be able to excel in this exam and i think it's a good reminder for us tonight to say okay how are we doing on this this exam is to test your iq 
Now, this is not your intelligence quotient tonight, but this is your influence quotient that we're going to be examining and looking at tonight. Jesus says that our influence quotient is to be determined in two basic ways. He uses two universal elements to illustrate this for us. He gives us salt and he gives us light. I love how Jesus uses things that are commonplace, that's involved in the everyday lives of his people then, and it's things that are still involved in our everyday life today. That's important for us who are Sunday school teachers, those who are small group leaders, those who are parents and grandparents impacting people around us, that we don't have to make things so lofty, so complicated. And Jesus takes the things that we are used to in everyday life and brings truth to them through things that they can understand. He says that my influence quotient, your influence quotient, is to be determined determined by how well you and I shake. I'll jot that down, how well you and I shake. Now, I've not forgotten some of my roots. I know that for many of us, we were told for many decades not to shake. We are not to do the twist and shout and all those kind of things. And this is not how well you can dance. I am not someone who's good at dancing. And as our manual statement has shifted and changed and has been very specific that any form of entertainment, any form of dancing that is not an act of worship to the Lord, we want to be careful of. But my reason for not dancing is far greater than that. Whenever I dance, I make people nauseous. I make people sick. I don't have the rhythm. I don't know that I have the gift or the skill set to do so. And, and when I begin to think about how well I shake, I, what, is this, what is this about? Well, I, I think that we can learn a lot from this object lesson that Jesus gives to us first about salt. We're going to unpack a little bit of this in verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it useful again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. What Jesus is saying is that salt is worthless if it doesn't add flavor to your food. An author that I was reading this week maintains that it's too often a picture of the church in America when we begin to see that the salt of the earth is not doing its job. All the salt is in the salt shaker. Now, Caden, do you have my little salt shaker? Thank you, honey. This author was talking to us of about Jesus' object lesson in the salt and says that we are the salt of the earth and we are to have an impact on people. But she, in her writings, declares that the church of Jesus Christ for so long has accepted their role as salt but has stayed in the salt shaker, the church. It's never gotten outside the walls of the church and, and we never ever allow our saltiness to impact anyone else. And so what good is salt if all it does is stay in the salt shaker? And Jesus is saying to us that Our influence quotient shouldn't just be something that we have theoretically, but it's never ever put to use. It should be engaged in every season of our life, in every arena of our life. We are to be salty for Jesus Christ. But Christians who stay sheltered in their churches are just as worthless to Jesus as the salt that is in the shaker. Yes. We're going to get there, brother. Salt is a preservative. and In fact, you've been reading my notes. You've been cheating. That's where we're going next. Jesus wants to shake us out of our Christian salt shakers into the world around us. 
But I think for some of us, we begin to get this idea of what Jesus does in our life and sanctifying us wholly for him, that we begin to think that we should be isolated away from everything else. In fact, he has not saved us and sanctified us to be out of the world, but to be in the world, but not of it. So Jesus gives us some very clear teaching. And the way I'm reading it, you check it with me. I think it applies to every Christian all the time for their entire existence with him. We are to be salt for Him. This is where we become influential. So I invite you to start this exam with me. Take this simple test. In the next few minutes, you're going to test your IQ, your influence quotient. As I said, I'm not going to take the results. Your neighbor's not going to take the results. But before you think this is just a silly exercise, I'm confident the Lord will be examining our hearts and we are accountable to Him for these things. One of the functions that salt is is it purifies so a high iq is purifying jesus's day salt was connected with purity the romans believed that salt was of the purest of all things because it came from the purest of all things the sun and the sea see jewish sacrifices were often offered in salt because of its purifying qualities last week we learned that God blesses those whose hearts are pure. And he's talking about a person whose singular motive is to love and to see and to serve God. It's a person whose heart has been cleansed from sinful pride and now it is governed by the leading of the Holy Spirit in their life. So a salty Christian may not be perfect, but there is never a doubt about his or her motives in their life. An influential Christian will always do the right thing with their heart, even when they find that they need to go back and make an apology for what they have done with their mouth or their hands. And they want to have a pure heart, a purifying heart. Jesus is concerned that the salt can lose its saltiness. And and so when salt gets mixed up with other impurities, it loses its value. When we allow the impurities of the world to come in, it takes the saltiness and it wastes what it's for. Character ranks low in our world economy it's it's not something that we give with high esteem and so it's easy for us to begin to take on the attitude of the world it's amazing that we can see the same type of sins in the church that we find outside of the church we can find the same kind of justification outside of the church that we find inside of the church and so our little test is like this you consider these statements on the iq scale one all the way to the left and 10 all the way to the right one being my lifestyle is no different than my unchristian friends and all the way to the right my lifestyle reflects the purity of jesus christ you begin to circle where do you see yourself in this influence quotient exam go ahead and grade yourself in that area are you more of an influencer or are you more of the person who is influenced by the people around you That's one category, but we also see that a high influence quotient is also flavoring. It's not just, uh, excuse me, it's not just uh, purifying, it's also preserving. I skipped one here. A high IQ is preserving. Have you ever smelled old, rotten meat? I remember when I was growing up, we were on the road and evangelism and we came home after being gone for about three months and we went to the freezer that was in the garage and some putrid smell was coming out of the garage 
and my parents had just purchased a half side of beef and put it in the two freezers in the garage and what we didn't know was those freezers had failed because of a circuit issue in the house and it left to rot for three months while we were gone. We came back and not only was the smell so bad that there was no way to save the freezers, anything that was left in the garage permanently had the stench of rotten meat that had just oozed all over everything. I had some toys that were stored in the garage and there was no way you could play with them without getting nauseous. There was the stench of this rotten decay. Salt is this preserving agent that keeps decay from taking over. This corrupt world is starting to smell like rotten meat and Jesus is crying out for his salt to have a preserving influence in the world around it. I don't know if you remember when you were a kid, maybe you were out playing and you would scrape up your knee, you'd fall down, you would cut yourself and you may just slap a band-aid on there without even washing it or putting any kind of disinfectant on it and it may cover it up but you may not see it anymore but often with the right kind of germs and dirt in there it would just get an infection and pus would begin to get on that wound and you'd have to deal with it later but if you would go to mom and she would put that liquid on there that would burn like fire that I hated and didn't want to see that. It would hurt for a little bit, but it would take away the impurities and it would preserve that wound from being infected with the disease that was all around and the germs floating around. God is calling for us to be an impact in the world around us for the sickness of sin that is impacting people everywhere. We are his plan A to be salt in the world around us, a preserving function. So consider these statements on the scale. On the left, my unchristian friends pull me away from Jesus. To the far right, I draw my unchristian friends closer to Jesus. What kind of preserving factor? And so this is where I wanted to ask you a question. I jumped ahead earlier. Are you more of an influencer or are you more of the person who's being influenced? Are you the one who is impacting them by preserving them or are they beginning to pollute the preservative of Jesus in your life? Let's move on quickly to the next. A high influence quotient is also flavoring. It's purifying. It's preserving. It's also flavoring. A world without Christians is like eating food without seasoning or salt i don't know if you've tasted baby food anybody remember the stages when you were feeding your kids baby food and you tasted that stuff it's nasty i mean you could you could eat baby food and survive but it's now maybe someone here likes it that's okay you have the right to be wrong it's gross and i know we shouldn't have like too much salt and it can cause problems but Give me some kind of seasoning, something to to bring a little bit of flavor to it. But when there is no salt, it is absolutely noticeable. I like V8. It's one of the few things that I'm still allowed to drink that I used to drink before. And and I thought, well, I'm going to try this low to no sodium V8. Blah! They just took all the goodness out of it. I know the nutrients are in there and probably the healthy things are in there, but, but the taste, the, the flavor seems to be gone. And, and, and I wasn't quite sure what all was missing, but it was good things. It was yuck. It was left over. I didn't like it. 
sometimes we begin to see the world around us and we complain and, and we get aggravated and we can point fingers and we can say that is nasty. And Why are we not influencing in that area, giving the season that is needed in our communities? This is one why I am passionate that it's not only okay, it's necessary for us to be involved in the political arena of our culture around us. We are called to be salt and light. We are called to give seasoning. We are called to speak and give a voice. Now at the end of our time tonight, I'll talk about some cautions of what we shouldn't do with the salt and the light. But to say that I'm going to live completely divorced of my culture and just huddle up and stay in the salt shaker is not at all what Jesus was trying to teach in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, if you will understand, my plan for you is to get you out of this temple, this sanctuary, on everything around. You don't become like them, but to influence them. Your influence quotient should be one that gets stronger and stronger with every year that you know me. A high IQ is flavoring. Jesus says that Christianity is to the world what salt is to food. It lends flavor. It gives life. It's tragic that so often people have connected Christianity with the opposite. I think that some people begin to look at church and they look at Christians and they say, there's no flavor, there's no spice, it's sourpuss people who are grumpy and who have nothing but blah to offer. Sometimes people look at church and they think that is just so boring. Now I understand that sometimes if, if we're not in the light, the things of the light seem like foolishness and there's some truth to be explored there. But I think sometimes it's not because of the Word of God or it's not because that they're not seeing what Jesus is teaching. Other times I think it's just because God hadn't gotten on all over our face. We may have hope in our life, but no one has told our smile about that. No one has told our attitude about that. And and it's just oblivious to everybody else if, if Jesus can bring joy. Some Christians, you look at them and you think that Jesus brings pain and suffering and grief and crustiness and grumpiness. I like the illustration of the little boy who was getting bored with the sermon and he leaned over to his dad and said, just pay the man already so we can leave. I think that sometimes people view church or Christians as just some task that they have to get done to punch their spiritual time card to get about their day. God longs for us to be the flavor of life. James tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. Satan is not creative. Anything evil, he's taken what God has created and just perverted it. Well, when I think of laughter, there can be coarse joking, there can be inappropriate humor. It doesn't mean that laughter is evil. Laughter is good. Joy is good. And I believe that we need to allow the good things that God has given to us be available to flavor the world around us. So go ahead, grade yourself. If you were to look at your attitude of flavoring, do you find that your attitude is more negative? Is it more sour? Or is your attitude more positive? Is it joy-filled? Where is your IQ, your influence quotient? Do you bring the flavor of Jesus, of joy, to those around you, or do you bring something else? He goes on to say that my influence quotient is determined by not only how well that I shake the salt, but how well I shine the light. Let's look at John 
excuse me, let's look at verse 14, then we'll get to John. The next verse, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Elsewhere, he testifies to himself, I am the light of the world. And here's what he wants us to develop, the IQ quotient in John 8, 12. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is saying that, that I am light, and those who are in me, my light will be in them, and you should shine in the darkness of the world around you. Jesus does a remix for us and says, not only is God holy, not only am I here to bring the light of the Father, of His glory to you, you are to be an extension of me, stay connected to me, I will flow through you, and you will light up the darkness around you. So our takeaway here is a high influence quotient is visible. So you take the test. How visible are you? Verse 14, like a city on a mountain glowing in the night for all to see. Jesus says we are to be shining all around us. Is your love visible to people around you or do you hide your allegiance to Jesus? Being a Christian is not to be a secret order. It's something to be open and transparent about. Do the people you work with know that you love Jesus? Or do they just know you go to church? Do the people that you do business with or you play golf with or you garden with or you hang out with or whatever you do when you have time off do those people know that you have a vibrant relationship with jesus or do they just know that you're kind of a good person or a moral person or you do church things is there any visibility to your faith in christ so as you grade yourself on the far left am i stealth in my witness for christ or am i a bold witness for jesus On a scale of 1 to 10, where is your visibility quotient for Jesus? Also, a high influence quotient is inclusive. It's not just visible, it's inclusive. In the next verse, Jesus commands us in verse 15, don't hide your light under a basket. Instead, put it on a stand and let it shine for all. Now, light doesn't discriminate. Light pierces darkness wherever darkness is. It's not like light sometimes is light but in certain categories it's not light the very definition of light it expels the darkness around it but sometimes when we think about being the light for jesus there are certain categories or groups of people that we want to be light to i only want to be light to these kind of people or i want to be light to this type of search, uh, situation or, or these personality types am i inclusive or am i exclusive in the way that i am shining the light for Jesus. When we're selective about where and with whom we shine the light of Jesus, we are mistaken about Jesus' teaching on shining the light. We're mistaken that it must be something that comes from within us or something that we can control or something that we can turn on or turn off. But Jesus is saying, if I am the light, I expel darkness. If you are in me, there will be light in you that expels darkness as well. Don't think of yourself so much as a flashlight that you can turn it on and you are the source of that light. But as another author has suggested, we are a mirror that is only reflecting what our life is pointing towards. So we increase the light coming out of us by asking the Holy Spirit to clean the mirror of our heart so we can stay directed at Him and shine the light to people around us. We don't select how bright it is the light source selects how bright it is 
So, grade yourself on this inclusive aspect of being liked. On the left, do you hang around people who are only like you? You just are very selective with your light. Or do you invest in people who are different than you? We begin to see a high influence quotient is not only inclusive, not only visible, but it's also attractive. Verse 16, look at it with me in the same way. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. It's not, hey, look at me because I am amazing. It's look at the Father. There is a natural attractiveness to the light of Jesus Christ. The work of salt is somewhat invisible. You can't see it purifying. You can't see it preserving. You can't see it flavoring. It just does those things. But light is very visible. In fact, if you go into a dark room where they develop film and you turn on the light, you don't have to say, hey, everybody, watch this. They will know. In fact, have you ever been in a dark restaurant or you've been in a dark basement and then for whatever reason you've either walked out in the sunlight or a light was turned on and it grabs your attention. It can almost blind you for a minute. When you and I are the light for Jesus, when we are shining with a high influence quotient, we don't have to say, look at me, draw attention to me. The Jesus reflecting out of us will bring all the attention to the Father that is necessary. But if we don't have any influence on people around us, there is no taken back by the light of Jesus. We need to ask ourselves, what's happened with our mirror? Has it gotten so dirty? Has it been aimed in a different direction so very little light from the source is reflecting off of us? Is there anything happening for us here? Are we attractive? Is there a natural looking to what Jesus is doing in our life. So you go ahead, grade yourself to the far left. Maybe it's, I usually think of myself first. Or to the far right, I usually think of others. I am allowing the light of Jesus to not only win people to myself, but win them to the Lord. John Stotts writes, Sometimes I think how splendid it would be if the world out there would almost sing the song and come up to us and say, Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. We just wait for people to come up and just say, Oh, what makes you shine? And you know, from time to time, you'll have someone who says, You know, you're so happy, or you made it through that tough time, and those are good things. But it's, it's more of an anomaly than it should be. There should be people all around us who say, Something is different about you. Something's just not right. With you Now, some of you, people say that to you all the time, and it may be for some other reason. But there should be something about our saltiness for God, something about the light of Jesus, that it should be expected by us every day. Jesus, who is it that I can purify, that I can flavor, that, that I can preserve? Who is it that I can be visible for you? Who is it that I can be attractive for you, Lord? Who is it that, that I can have a high influence quotient for you as we close tonight these aren't in your notes but three quick cautions or helps to increase our iq score if you're looking at your score and you're not very pleased with it right now these are some quick ways to increase that iq level in your life first is this when you're looking at improving your influence don't 
overdo it. Salt is to be sprinkled. On this salt shaker, you got the like the little holes, you know, the like I don't know, five, six, eight holes, it just sprinkled out. But when I was pulling this out of my office, I had it turned to that big wide mouth thing, you know what I'm talking about, just a big old stream. A- have you ever seen that kids sometimes like to play this game at a restaurant where they'll take the cap and they'll unscrew it and just leave it sitting on the salt shaker? I don't think we have a lot of teens here tonight, so I don't think I'm giving anybody ideas. And then you go to salt your your vegetables or whatever you're going to salt and you tip it over and then the whole thing just dumps does this happen to anybody else but me okay someone someone else has had this happen it's just blah it's aggravating the the food is destroyed it's not salted it's assaulted and i think sometimes we we think about being salty for jesus and we just open up to the wide mouth and we just say open up and just pour it down and we're not seasoning We're not purifying or preserving. We are assaulting people with the things of God. And that's not at all what Jesus was trying to say. And so we don't want to overdo it to make ourselves feel good. We want to be obedient to what the Lord is saying. But another caution, if if our IQ level is low, this is another danger. The ditch on the other side of the road, don't hold back. So we don't want to overdo it, but we also don't want to hold back. When people do respond, and they will, don't just tease them with one or two grains of salt. Don't just tease them with just a tiny little ray of light. Give them what their heart is hungering for. Be involved. Don't try to be cool for Jesus and make him palatable. If they're receiving the truth, then give more of the truth. And finally, don't worry about rejection. You don't have to worry, is the salt salty enough? Is the light light enough? If you are obedient to Christ, it is His job to do the work of the salt. It is His job to do the work of the light. We are to remain in Him. We are to to keep the impurities out, but He is the one that does the work. So sometimes our IQ is, is low because we overdo it, or we hold back, or we allow ourselves to be crippled in fear. Well, as our time is done tonight, and... You guys always do an awesome job on Sunday night of giving attention. You've given attention to God's Word throughout the day, each and every Sunday, and you come back for a a double dose. But what's on my heart is not that we just get some brand new information. In fact, I think probably all of us were not surprised by any of the information that came from God's Word tonight. Now, maybe it was a reminder that you'd gotten forgetful on. But I believe the Lord calls us to his scripture over and over not because it's something brand new but because it's something he says i want you to evaluate and begin to see is this taking root in your life so i challenge you take the iq quiz put it somewhere in your bible or someplace that's for you and begin to ask the lord is there any of these categories that you want to increase in my life would you stand with me Heavenly Father, I thank you that when you gave us your son Jesus, you didn't just send down your son to walk silently among us for 33 years and then die on a cross and disappear and have no interaction with us. But your answer to our sin problem was quite the opposite. Jesus invaded every aspect of our humanity was fully God and fully man, 
can identify with our temptations, our struggles, our trials, can identify with our hopes and dreams, and begins to speak to us in His messages with things that we can understand. So Lord, we confess to you tonight, it's not the theological depths of your word that perplex us, that really trip us up. But Lord, as Mark Twain said, it's the parts of the Bible that we do understand that cause us so much trouble. Because we're for some reason waiting or delaying or debating if they still or if they ever apply to us. So Lord, would you challenge us today? Would you chisel away at our excuse of why the salt and light passage may not apply to us? Or how we put in our time and some other place or some other era or some other category and it's no longer expected? Jesus, would you help us not to think that this is for someone who is loftier than us, more put together than us? But would you show us that you want to make good on your word again, that if we remain in you, you'll remain in us? And we are your plan A, Jesus. We are your first choice to reach the world around us. So would you increase our influence quotient? Not because we're so funny, we're so vivacious, we're so charismatic, we're so smart, we're so powerful, we're so put together. But Lord, quite the opposite, because we are so broken, we've lived through such foolishness, we feel so inadequate. Our hearts at times are so broken that through the cracks in our hearts and our lives, may your flavor, your purifying, your preserving nature, your light bust through and reach the people around us. In your name, Jesus, I pray these things. Amen. As you leave tonight, I've been asking this afternoon that God would lay one person on your heart as you think about salt and light. So whether you're on a low-sodium diet or not, it's my prayer that every time this week you see a salt shaker or you resist a salt shaker, that God will bring one person to your mind that you can influence for Him. So if that happens, don't blame me. Blame the Lord. I'm asking Him to do that. If it doesn't happen, then I guess you're free. He didn't convict you of that. God bless you. You're dismissed. Go get some low-sodium V8. It may bless you tonight.